What I have to share follows on a bit from Peter, actually. Not that I copied him. Or we didn't, I didn't know what he was going to say. But um, looking at particularly four areas which can hinder us um, in following the Lord. And I believe there are four areas the Lord wants to encourage us in this morning and tell us to come out of. We're going to be looking at the story of Lazarus, raised from the dead, coming, you know, coming out of the cave, coming out of the grave. Uh, but I believe that the Lord wants to call us out of where we, we, we are. In so, I'll explain what I might mean in a moment, because we can all live, in a sense, in a kind of a cave at times. And there's different kinds of caves. But the Lord, I believe, is saying, come out of where you are. I want to increase your faith. I want to give you victory, encourage you, inject into you faith for those areas. So really the Lord's heart is to encourage us this morning in four areas and to challenge us. You see, faith, I do weightlifting, just you might have noticed. Uh, Faith requires testing and development in order to grow. I mean, if I go to the gym and just play on my phone, I'm not going to grow much muscle. But if I go and lift some heavy weight, then... I can grow, you know, and it's like that with faith. God will put us through things in order that we discover him afresh. So, we'll look at four areas, but before we do that, we're going to look at this story, because this is where uh, it's in John chapter 11. I'm not going to read the whole story, uh, because it's very long, but I'm going to read most of it. And just to say that this uh, miracle that Jesus did was his seventh major sign miracle, He raised a man from the dead, which is pretty amazing. And it was almost a climax of some of his miracles, and it led to him being sentenced to death. Because when the Jews saw what he'd done, some of them were so worried the Romans were going to come and start taking over the country, they decided that Jesus needed to die. So this raising of Lazarus led to Jesus' death and resurrection. It was a trigger to bring about the death of the Lord. Anyway, let's just read um, the first uh, sort of 17 verses. John chapter 11. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend, whom you love, is sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples protested. Teacher, they said, a few days ago the people there were trying to stone you. You going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of the world. But at night, 
there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. And he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go to wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better. (laughs) They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping naturally, but Jesus meant that Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let us go to him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his disciples, Okay, let's go to and die with Jesus and die with Jesus. A bit, bit of a depressive he was. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. I'll just stop there a moment. And we'll read the rest in a moment. The first area I feel the Lord wants to encourage us and challenge us in is to come out of doubting the faithfulness of God. Come out of doubt. Come out of lies. You know, the, we, can, we can believe lies that God, God doesn't really love me or God, God isn't going to show up or God is put, why is God putting me through this? This shouldn't be happening to me. You know, what I want to bring out to you is area one Stop doubting the faithfulness of God when you go through, when you go through stuff. Look at this, passage, this verse. It says in verse 4, Jesus' attitude was, this is for the glory of God. Now, we can sometimes think that when some stuff happens to us that's bad, we can think this has got to be ended as quickly and swiftly, as painlessly as possible. It's an alien intrusion, and I've got to rebel against it. And it can't be God's will. God loves me. He won't be allowing this to happen to me. So it's got to be got rid of swift, swift, swift. But here, the Lord allowed it a sickness for the glory of God. Do you believe, or will you have the faith this morning to believe that some of the things you go through are for the glory of God? Even though they could be horrible. (laughs) Um, Hudson Taylor, who I work for OMF, which is a Christian mission, he's the founder, Hudson Taylor. He said that our trials are like a platform on which God can work and get glory. We don't like it, but it's true. Do you know a lady called Joni Erickson, Tarda? You may have heard of her. She, was a, she is in a wheelchair. She had a diving accident at the age of 18, broke her spine, and is a paraplegic. From her wheelchair, she has had a worldwide ministry among disabled people, among all kinds of people, And she said this, she said, I don't mind being in my wheelchair for my whole life as long as God gets glory. Now, I don't think many of us would be able to say that. If you're super spiritual, perhaps Mark would. But, you know, but what you can do is this. When you start going through a pain and a trial, you can present it to God and say, Lord, get glory from this. Don't immediately try and escape it. Say, oh, it's the devil. I mean, yes, we do get attacked, but I'm just trying to encourage you. Don't doubt God is at work in your trial. Someone prayed over me uh, recently, and do you know what they prayed over me? They said, Lord, turn Simon's trials to gold. (laughs) God can turn your trials to gold. Um, It's true. The Lord works. Does it not say in Romans, you don't need to turn to it, it says in Romans 5 verse 3, 
We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. This hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And you either believe that or you don't. Another little thing in this story linked to this doubting God in your trials is the very fact that Jesus delayed. He delayed two days. And sometimes God will delay showing up in a situation. You, you know, we would like the Lord to turn up immediately, like a microwave dinner. Ding! Lord, sort it out! But he seemed to leave them. And what I believe this shows us is that delays are going to happen to us in God's kingdom. We're going to want things done click of a finger, but God may delay. But you see, the delay, again, was for his glory. And the other thing I want to say is that God doesn't delay forever and ever. He will show up. Maybe not in the way you want. <laughs> they didn't want Lazarus to die. They wanted God to show up and heal him. They dropped a lot of hints. You know, Lord, he's sick. In other words, come here. Come, run and do our errand. But you think the fact is, Delay is not inevitable. Jesus will show up. Whatever you're going through, you say, God hasn't done it yet. I've been waiting years. Maybe you've got a personal need that's gone on for years. Maybe you've got a loved one in your family who has still not saved. It's been donkey's years. They're still not the Lord's. If you're praying and really seeking the Lord, I tell you, the Lord will... He's not going to just... It's, the delay is not a denial. Some people have a personal need. Some people have a family need. Um or some disability they want to get free of, the delay is of God. And I just want to tell you this, God created time, and God is the best timekeeper there is, and God will, not God will not show up late. He may show up in a different way to how you expect, but he will come, as he did in this story. I believe that's in there to tell us that you can't always get it your way super quick. God may delay. But don't give up and say, well, it's, God hates me then. Because it says here, God doesn't hate them. It says here in um, two things, actually. In verse 3, Jesus, they told Jesus, Lord, your dear friend whom you love, they actually emphasize that in the Greek, it says, who you fondly love is sick. They knew that Jesus loved Lazarus. And then it says in verse 5, this is amazing, I love this. It says, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. He didn't say Jesus loved the family. He loved Martha, Mary. Jesus loves Mark, Hannah, Pete. Jesus loves the individual. And when we go through the meal, we can think, does God love me? <laughs> does he really love me? But here, it's underlined. He loved Martha. He loved Mary. So God's love is for you. His, God is for you, not against you. God is for you. His heart is love for you. Now the cynical voice of the devil and the world will say, what a load of rubbish. If God loved, why didn't he turn up and quickly do it? But he does come in his own time. So I just want to encourage you with that. If you're going through something that's a bit of a drag, <laughs> will you please come out of doubt in God's faithfulness and start to believe in the Lord? That will affect your prayer life. It will affect your prayer life. We're going to look at prayer now. This is the second area, your prayer life. <laughs> um, if you go to, we're going to read a bit more. Go to verse 20. <clears throat> I was going to read a couple of sections of this story. 
Verse 20, and I'm going to read down to verse 27, then I'm going to read a bit later in the story. It says this, when Martha, verse 20, when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Uh, Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises, you know, at the last day. But Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Right, jump down to verse 32. This is Mary now. So we've done Martha, this is Mary. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. They said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Now the reason I read that is what I feel the Lord wants to say. He wants to encourage us in the realm of prayer. To come out of a place of defeatism. To come out of a place of defeatism. You know, you can go through stuff Like you might be praying for someone to be saved and nothing happens. You can go into a place of sort of dejection, defeat, despair even. And I believe that's pictured by Mary in this story. Because although Mary usually gets a good write-up, I don't think she got a very good write-up here. Because Martha goes to Jesus and Mary stays in the house. She just sits there. Jesus can't help. Jesus can't help. He can't do anything now. She sat there looking at her feet, whereas Martha had a spark of faith. I don't think Mary stayed there because she was being spiritual and waiting on the Lord. She was just, she was dejected. She was like, it's no good now, no good, no good asking the Lord. She just stayed in the house. And the other thing is, when Mary got to Jesus, this is what she said. She said, Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. And it stopped there. She didn't didn't go on and say, but now you could do something. She just stopped there. And really what she did was she told Jesus off. I think. You may disagree. I think she scolded Jesus. Said, you know, if you'd been, where were you? (laughs) Why didn't you show up? It's hopeless now. So Mary was a picture of lack of faith in prayer. She's just a someone who just thought, oh, what's the point? God's not going to do it. And then look, at, look again, please, at the Jews in verse 37. The Jews who were around the tomb, some of them said, hey, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have you know, kept Lazarus from dying? And I think that's a picture of those who put a limit on the Lord. They say, you know, well, 
it's a shame, isn't it? He died. Oh, well, Jesus obviously can't. Yeah, he healed a blind man, but you know, he obviously has limits, Jesus. It's sad. Oh, well. Sad, isn't it? And they kind of put, I don't know, do you ever do that? Do you put limits on the Lord to his power, his possibilities? Do you have that kind of defeatist attitude about a situation? Maybe you come up against something that's got the word impossible written all over it. And you say to the Lord, oh well, c'est la vie, <laughs> c'est la vie. It's French, by the way, if you don't know. <coughs> um, but I want to encourage you with what Martha did. Because Martha, you see, she came to Jesus and she had a go at the Lord too. I mean, it's okay to have a go at Jesus. You can, you can, get, you can let off steam at him. I know, I do. you can let off steam, get angry. She said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But then she added this phrase, but even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. She had faith, a spark of faith, to go beyond what seemed impossible. Because let me just tell you this, Lazarus had been dead four days. Now, in a Jewish mind, if you were dead three days, you still had a chance. Did you know that? They used to believe, it's a bit of a superstition, but they used to believe that once you were dead, for three days, your soul would hover around your corpse, hoping to come back in. I know it's probably just a superstition, but they had this belief, three days, and, and he's got, you know, if, if, sorry Steve, if you died today, you'd have till Wednesday <laughs> to resuscitate or come back. And if, sorry mate, I love you. <laughs> But if you were, you know, in ancient, in ancient Jewry, in the ancient Israel, and it would reach Thursday, they would have said, no chance for Steve, he's had it. Because on the fourth day, they believed that the soul decided it wasn't going to come back and, and departed to God. And also, sorry to bring this up, but in a hot country, on the fourth day, you were be starting to decay. This Lazarus was not in a sweet condition. In fact, later in the story, they say, Lord, he's stinking. This Lazarus was well past his sell-by date. He was, um, you know, in the Jewish mind, no chance of any repair, no chance of any salvaging. It's beyond the pale, it's, it's finished, it's over. Lazarus, it's day four, forget it. But Martha says, even now, you can do something. I want to encourage you. You may face a situation where you think, it's just beyond hopeless. For, you know, my husband, or my father, or someone to be saved, or my situation is beyond hopeless. Well, just go, be, remember Martha, even now. Maybe your loved one, I don't know if you have a loved one who's not saved in your family, maybe they're in a worse state than Lazarus. They're dead as dead can be, they stink. <laughs> I don't mean they don't wash. I mean, spirit, you know, in sin, they, 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 they've got to that place of decay. It's just so bad. It's, it's bad. And I heard the Lord saying this, are you going to pray the even now prayer? Are you going to believe that I can do something? Or are you going to say, like the Jews, you can't really do a lot here. The even now prayers. <clears throat> I know sometimes we have to wait a long time for prayer to be answered. But I would encourage you, to have this attitude of Mary, uh, Martha, sorry, not Mary, <laughs> in this story. So, the second area is prayer. The third area I'd like to just encourage you with, or I felt the Lord wanted to encourage you with, um, is in the area of fear. 
fear. Because Pete said about following Jesus. We can start giving up on following Jesus if um, we doubt his care, we just think, oh, he doesn't care. We can start giving up following Jesus if we see things and we think, well, God can't do anything there, so I'm not going to pray. Another area where we can stop following Jesus is we get scared. Um, and there are two areas of fear I just want to quickly go through. I don't want to be too long. One is in the disciples. They're, they're a bit scared to go into a place of danger because they say to Jesus in the story um, earlier, they say, you know, we're not, they, they tried to stone you, Lord. It's a bit risky going there. And sometimes God will make us go through risk, you know, um, through following him will lead to a bit of a risky situation. But the Lord will look after you. The Lord will look after you. It's a fake fear. It's not true. It's a lie. Um, Jesus said, you know, there are 12 hours in the day. And what he meant by that was, you're safe. Once you've got me, I'm the light. You know, I'm the light. He said, you're safe with me. If you didn't have me, you'd be in danger. How do you think a guy called David Wilkerson ever reached the street gangs of New York? How did he do it? He went because Jesus told him to go. And he went up to these group, these street gangs in New York in the 1950s called the Mau Mau. And they had switchblades and flick knives and chains. And he was able to lead them to the Lord. Now I know of other people that have tried to do that and they didn't go at God's will. You know, they just did it to copy and they ended up in real trouble. <laughs> real trouble. But if you go in the will of the Lord, however scary it might feel, you will not get stoned. You will not get killed. You, know, you will be in God's care. It's the truth. So I want to encourage you. If you feel the Lord telling you to step out, and think, that's scary. It's a lie. If God's telling you, you, you've got the light with you. The light. You've got the, you've got the light of God with you. You'll be fine. And for Thomas, it was particularly scary. Do you know why? Because he was called the twin. Do you know why he was called the twin? One of his old, another name is Didymus. I don't know why he's called. It means the twin. The reason he was called the twin is because he looked like Jesus. Apparently, that's what the scholars think. He looked like Jesus. So, you know, if he goes into a place of danger, they might think he's Jesus. They might capture me. They might crucify me. So he was actually quite scared. That's what scholars seem to think. He was called the twin because he looked like Christ. Oh, there's Jesus. Let's arrest him. No, it's me. It's Thomas. <laughs> I'll encourage you, if God tells you to do something that's scary, just do it. I'm speaking to myself here as well. And one fear, I mean, this might not affect you, but it can affect some Christians, is the fear, because we're talking about fear now, the fear of death. <laughs> the fear of death. I don't know whether you're scared of dying. Um, I'm, somebody wrote once... Um, we shouldn't fear death. We should fear the process maybe of dying. I mean, it's not very nice, is it, to die? It's a bit painful. But death itself, you should not fear. Being dead, you should not fear because although we will die, although we will get sort of bitten, and we will end up in a cemetery or a crematorium, it won't destroy us. You might think, what are you talking... The, the, the truth of this story is Lazarus was pretty decayed and decomposed. It, it, was, quite, it was quite bad. You know, four days, wasn't, it wasn't like he just went green. He actually probably started to you know, get a bit horrible. But Jesus raised him to life. And what this is telling us is, is when we die, sorry, we, we're going to die, when, when our bodies rot, it's, although our bodies die, it is not 
the end of you. Death cannot kill a believer. Yeah, it can take away your body, but you will rise again. This is what this story is about. You will rise again, even if you're decayed, even if you're dissolved entirely. I don't know how God does it. You will rise again. Otherwise, this story is all made up. I used to live in Sicily, and I went to the catacombs, underground graves of where the you know, Christians used to worship. And I saw the shelves where the bodies used to be. Uh, and there's nothing there. Just completely rot. There's nothing got left. They're just dissolved into dust. There's nothing. But the Lord is Lord over death. He's the Lord of life. He is the life. He said, I am the life. He's the Lord over death. So, let me just encourage you. One. He raised a girl who died about half an hour ago called Jairus' daughter. She was still warm. He brought her to life. Two. He raised a man who was the son of a widow. And he was all wrapped up and on the way to the cemetery. He'd been dead maybe, what, four hours, five hours, a day. He raised him. Three, he raised a guy here who was decaying and decomposed. (laughs) And in the book of Ezekiel, he raised a load of bones. Why am I telling you this? I don't know. The (laughs) The reason I'm telling you this is you don't need to fear death. We're going to die, but it isn't the end. You see, when we... When we're dead, it's not, it's not the end of the story. Death does not have the last word. The devil doesn't have the last word. Jesus has the last word. He said, I am the resurrection. So I want to encourage you, in case any of you are scared of death, you're going into some dark abyss. Well, actually, it's not the end of you. He's the Lord over death. Um, it's a bit like if you get... Um, an eagle that gets hold of a little rabbit, like death is like the eagle, it gets hold of the prey. And then someone comes along and releases the rabbit. I mean, death will lose its prey. Okay. On this note, let's move on in the story, because we're going to talk about, we've talked about, just to summarise quickly, we've talked about getting shot of the doubts that God cares for you in your circumstance. We've talked about believing God can still do something in the impossible. And we've talked about getting rid of fear, because that can paralyze you too. The last little thing I want to talk about is, is in this part. We'll just read it. Verse um, 38. <clears throat> Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you? You would see God's glory if you believe. So they moved the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Who's got the power over death? (laughs) Jesus.
In fact, he proved it, didn't he? I mean, Jesus, Jesus didn't go around saying, I'm the resurrection, and then just not do anything. He proved it. I'm the resurrection. Watch this. And he rose from the dead himself. But I just want to point out a few things in this passage here, and then we'll close. Verse 38, it says, Jesus was angry. And I believe God is angry, not, not with the people here. I believe he's angry at the devil. He's angry at death. He's angry at what sin has done. Because, you see, I believe death was never intended for human beings. You might say, well, that, how do you... You might say, well, that's a lot of rubbish. How do you know? I believe death was never intended for a human being. We were supposed to get better and better and better and better and better and become glorified and become like Jesus on top of the mountain. You know the story of Jesus on the mountain? He became more glorious, more glorious, more glorious, and transfiguration, it's called. I believe that if Adam and Eve had never sinned, human beings were meant to live a long, 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 long time and get better and better, and somehow, I don't understand it, were meant to go up into God. Like Elijah went up to God with his body still intact. Like Enoch went up to God with his body still intact. We weren't supposed to die. Death is a perversion. It's a perverted thing caused by sin and Satan. And God hates it. He hates what it does to families. He hates what it does to sons and daughters. He hates what it... He just hates the whole thing. And this is a great victory cry against death and sin here. Um... But I believe the story has a bit more meaning to it than just physical death. Because there's something else in the world called spiritual death. Without getting too complex. It's basically the results of sin. What sin does is it makes you dead on the inside. You can drive a car, you can have a great job, you can play football, you can eat nice food, but you can be utterly dead on the inside to God. You can be a walking dead man. Uh, a, a corpse that walks around. <laughs> I'm not talking about bodily. Bodily, you're breathing, you're looking, your eyes, everything. But spiritually, inside, you're dead. Does it not say in the Bible, people are dead in trespasses and sins? And people are born into this world, sadly, because of sin, dead to God. They are born, they're, they're, they're alive. I mean, my Daniela, I love her dearly. My Daniela, she's alive. Goodness me, is she alive? She's running around getting me up in the night, chucking toys around. But spiritually inside, until she meets Jesus, she's dead to a relationship with God. It's just offline, offline. Um, it's like being uh, stillborn. I told my mum and dad this once, and they shouted back at me, that's a lot of rubbish. How can you say we're dead to the Lord? What are you talking about? But It's true. Unless Christ comes to live in us, we are dead in sin. We can be religious, we can go to church, but unless Jesus lives in us, we're dead, we're kind of cut off, kind of stillborn. And God hates it, and God done something about it. He's, he is the life. Jesus is the life. He says, I'm the life. He can bring a man out of death, out of sin, out of that grave called sin, up into life. It doesn't matter how stinky you are, it doesn't matter how rotted you are, he can do it. I just want to encourage you, if, if some of you here feel you don't know God, there's a deadness, 
The Lord wants to give you life and say, come out, I can take you out of the grave. Take you out of the grave called sin. Give you a life. And maybe some people here, I know I've done this, maybe need to get rid of some old grave clothes too. Because Lazarus, they took his old clothes off. These grave clothes. Now, for me, that means old habits. You know, old habits can sometimes come back. Or you can... You've got life. Jesus has given you life, but you're still wearing old clothes that belong to the old dead you. An old habit that God doesn't want you to continue in anymore. Well, the Lord is saying, I'm going to take that off you. I'm going to bring you out. Um, I've probably said enough. I've said enough, beloved. But I just want to say this. I once went to um, um, the funeral of... Um, Karina's grandmother and in Holland they have this very like morbid habit of putting the body in a room so you can look at the body in a coffin now I used to chat to the grandmother and have a laugh because she didn't understand any English and I didn't understand any Dutch and we used to have a laugh together but when I saw her lying there I, I couldn't talk to her obviously and she was just like lying there and what I felt the Lord said to me is what she is like to you is how sinners are to me. There's no, there's no, there's a separation, and I hate it. I want to communicate with. I want them to come alive. So Jesus says this morning, I want to bring you into life. Come out of the grave of sin. Come out of the old grave clothes, and start to follow me afresh, again. So, um, I think I've said enough. Keep it short and simple. I would like to have a time of, maybe we can play some music of some sort. Um, I don't know if you know the song, Hannah. It's that one that goes, it's oh for a thousand tongues.